Blog Talk Radio. Indeed there is. Hey, good morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this awesome day. We thank you for every day. We thank you that you are the Lord God of the day, of the night, and of our time, of our life, Father. And so I pray that you'd secure us, Lord, with the peace, the power, the the protection and revelation of Jesus Christ, that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that no word said and no deed done, no action taken by others against us, or even actions we take against ourselves would be prosperous or bring forth Uh, fruit for the evil one, Lord God, that you give us understanding that your word would not be able to be snatched out of our hearts and that you would continue to guide us by your love, by your spirit, by your truth, that we are your workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So bless us this day as we listen, those who listen later. We thank you, Lord God, in Jesus' name for the excitement of being alive. Amen. Hey, good good morning. to be alive. Yeah. I'm glad you're alive. Yeah, I am too. (laughs) You you are a... Good partner, you keep me warm, and you've been with me for a long time now. Long time, long yeah, time. Yeah. Well, we're we're looking at a new year coming up. Yeah, 2016. Yeah. yeah, you know, sometimes when people kind of take an inventory of the last year, like you see the news reports and what they do, and they kind of summarize what happened last mm-hmm. year and crazy, crazy. Um, it forces us or provokes us to think about the new year, and maybe I should do something different. I should change my ways, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people they um, make New Year's resolutions. Yeah, and there, you know, with as we were thinking about this program today, I was thinking about you know there's such a host of world events, uh, you know, from the Pope to Obama to mm-hmm. the violence, the division that's yeah. going on in our nation, all the the, the, the falling away, the carry the the mm-hmm. uh, carryings on of the church that's so much against the professed church that's so really against the gospel of Christ. And so, you know, in Paul told Timothy in the last days, there's going to be perilous times, mm-hmm. yeah, dangerous and, times. Yeah. And we're living in these dangerous times. Yeah. And you can, you know, can find out about that. You can get on the internet and you can look around you and you can see all this sort of mm-hmm. thing going on. It's and like, they're, they're critical things, things that have been mm-hmm. prophesied and things that, uh, that are coming to pass in, in, in many uh, evil ways, but yet God is over all. He's sovereign over, over all this, and His plan will be uh, fulfilled. So, what we wanted to do is not just not just uh, talk about any of that. We wanted to talk about more of the personal side yeah. of moving into the new year. Yeah. Well, just commenting on what you just said, the, we can t- spend time, you know, reviewing the past. A lot of people don't learn anything from that anyway. But taking an inventory of the garbage that's happened in your life or in the lives of the people around you or in the world itself. And like you said, we need to be aware of these things as predictors, as signs uh, of coming events, especially the coming and return of Jesus Christ. But like you also said, some people out there are doing an excellent job on kind of decoding the news, decoding the events, getting behind the scenes, doing the research, looking at what happened in history, looking at the predictions, the prophecies, And, you know, we can recommend them as good sources of that because we don't pretend to be doing their job. Um, I love what they do, and it's helpful. But at the same time, just 
having a constant continuous over a dose a dosage of negativity or fear or uh what happened in the past and and feeling kind of helpless about the whole thing uh isn't very healthy either so we're determining today to look at a more personal specific uh review of what's what's gone on in our world right, and talking about our own personal loose ends right each of us have a life to live in the midst of all this mm-hmm. you know we have a personal life to live in the midst yeah, of all this yeah 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 and so we're talking about loose ends mhm Tying up loose ends, well, your think, loose ends in mm-hmm. 2016. Well, you know, a lot of times those loose ends, um, they look like failures, fatigues, frustrations, uh, things that, you know, we put off or things we didn't do, things we were too discouraged or depressed or sick to do. Maybe it was a really hard year for some of you. Maybe you were really, really set back financially or relationally, lost some very, very, very important things this year, um, loved ones, marriages various kinds of things that could have been lost and but are they really lost um with the Lord God they're found because to him nothing is lost so be encouraged and know that we the best thing we need to know to do is to get up and to keep going to keep going not to sit down and give up but a lot of times i think we can uh burden ourselves with expectations and self-improvement courses and self-help remedies and things that only just discourages us. I know, honey, you wrote a little bit of a poem to kind of address this. You're so brilliant. Can you give us, <laughs> read uh, us your poem, honey? Well, I'm, and going, to read, I'm okay. going to read the first half of it. Oh, just the first half? Just the first okay, half, right. and then at the end of the program, so oh, stay tuned. Okay. and give you the rest of the story, well, like uh, Paul Harvey I guess say. we'll listen to the first half and see and make that the determination of which <laughs> So we, we hear so much now about, you know, New Year's resolutions yeah, yeah. And, and how... And you better hurry up, right? I better hurry up and make them because they're, uh, the year's running out, but... And they might be all picked over by the time you get to them. Here's, here's, <laughs> a, here's a little poem. Right, right. Uh, here's a little, uh, little ditty about uh, New Year's resolutions, okay? So many things need a solution. I better make a resolution. No more of this, a lot more of that. Get a workout, lose the fat. But all these things I've tried before often failed and closed the door. Should I even try again? Not much courage to begin. Every day is so uncertain. Should I just stop and pull the curtain? My life is going down the drain. So much sorrow, so much pain. There must be a better way for me to live each night and day. Okay, that's good. Lose the fat, you know, gain this get rid of that work 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 I, like i said it's a big um life for some people is just a big constant ordeal in life improvement um taking responsibility stressing out being perfect getting everybody to like you getting yourself to like you that's a bigger challenge sometimes and looking at loose ends you know a dictionary definition of loose ends means that there are relatively minor matters Mm-hmm. that are still taken care of. Minor. But okay. what we're talking about today, they might seem like minor matters, but then there are also loose ends in our lives that are of major significance, and that's what we want to address today. Well, it's like, um, you know, the major elements of life are eternal life, salvation, the Word of God, and truth. But if you're just slapping a nice, fresh coat of paint and remodeling 
an old barn or a new or an old house that's that's still got a corrupted foundation and you're not setting solidly on that good firm foundation you're just like wasting your time and money to make it look pretty for a little bit longer when in fact we need to ad- address I would the real essential core issues of life. Right, right. And like a resolution, mm-hmm. the definition of a resolution is a decision as to future action. Mm-hmm. So, but what happens is, and we're going to talk about, I'll share a few statements here and we can discuss this a bit, that the problem is off, all too often the decision is made, but the correct actions are not taken. And sometimes we make wrong decisions based upon wrong information. Mm-hmm. And the actions we take do actually do more harm than good, and uh, and then sometimes we think more is up to us than what is really up to us. Yeah, and and uh, and so we're we're leaving uh, up to us what should be left up to the Lord, mm-hmm. and uh, so there's there's a whole quandary yeah. but this, there, it, there that's there with this whole idea of of, of resolutions, right. I think resolutions could be another R word that comes from the devil. I mean, he's already packed a few R words into our thinking and into our souls, like uh, religion, reality, responsibility, um, and, you know, now this one, resolutions. It's all up to me. Basically, it all kind of filters down to I've got to do something to be something. And forgetting that God has already called us human beings and created us in his image. And, of course, we have been um, launched into this emotional, um, physiological snake pit of life that's full of difficulties and hardships and setbacks and lies and disappointments and pain and blah, 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 and go on and on and just add your specific details but how are we supposed to, what manner of men are we ought to be, as Peter would even have said, in these days, in these very perilous times, as you referred to in Timothy? What really counts here? What really matters? And, you know, when things get difficult, which it may be in 2016, that we will have hardships that we, as Westerners, as Americans, as citizens, have never, ever seen before. And, and when things like that happen, it seems like the trivial, the unimportant the leisurely activities of self-improvement kind of drop by the wayside because we get into the survival mode of what is the most important thing. And I think going back to being and doing, how many of us learned this year how to abide? Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branch. It's about abiding and not about doing. We're, We're beings, not doings. But Satan has made your whole life wrapped around the lie that I am what I do. And so a million, billion dollar industry of self-help books is out there for you to waste your time and energy on and get frustrated because it's a setup. It's like the devil sets you up. You're going to try harder, pull this off, improve yourself. And, you know, even for you who have done a diet, ever done a diet, were you wonderful, great, you found the secret diet, the, you know, how to lose 23 pounds in 23 days and way excited about that. But then what do you do to keep it off? Because... That's the that's the rest of your life now, keeping that 23 pounds off, which means you have to starve, you have to go without, you have to be your counselor, you have to talk yourself out of a piece of chocolate cake, you got to talk yourself down from, you know, that second bowl of ice cream, whatever. I'm not advocating you do all that stuff as far as eating the second bowl of ice cream, but why do you want to eat that second bowl in the first place? Why do you need that? 
eat that whole chocolate cake? Why can't you be satisfied with one piece? And why does eating it with all that guilt put all those calories back on you? Well, the question is, what did Jesus say? He said, did he say, make a New Year's resolution? Is that even scriptural? No, it, it's, well, it, it's not necessarily a New Year's resolution. There there can be some resolutions. resolutions yeah. There can be resolution. Now, here, there, there's a I want to contrast a couple of things here. Um, in James chapter 4, verse uh, 13 through 17, he says, uh, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Now, there's a plan. There's a plan. There is a plan. A resolution, too. A, a resolution. Mm-hmm. But then the Lord says, Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, yeah. For what is your life? It is even a, a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. Mm-hmm. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting mm-hmm. is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it to him who is sin. So here it he's talking sin. about people who are resolving. They're making a plan without really fully regarding the Lord. And his plan. And his plan. Yeah. Exactly. There's nothing wrong with having a plan or a strategy, but it has to be in in, in line with what, what God is Well, and the only way you heart. can get his plan is to sit and listen to him and let him. See, that's that's where, the, where we go wrong in the first place. We think that I am my own person and not realizing that we that are saved have been bought with a price. We do not, we're not our own anymore. We belong to Jesus Christ, and he wants to live his life in and through us, but he also wants to assist us greatly in giving us the abundant life he died to give us. So that, believe it or not, when you let go, when you lose the control to Jesus Christ, you actually, for the first time in your life, begin to experience the the true abundance and vitality of a life that has meaning and purpose. And I think for most of us, meaning and purpose is an innate, innate goal. See, we're made in the image of God so that all the humanistic goals I try to, or achievements or, or things or material wealth that I try to accomplish or achieve or amass will not satisfy a spiritual goal and motivation to know God and to, um, to, to do his will. Let me talk to you about a spiritual goal and motivation. This would be, I would say, a proper resolution. It's a decision mm-hmm. uh, that is um, as to future action. Mm-hmm. Here's one that uh, Joshua said and uh, declared in Joshua 24. Uh, we can look at um, verse 14 and 15. Now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Mm-hmm. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. In other words, make a decision. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And then Joshua makes this wonderful declaration. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Oh, that's a good resolution. There's a there's a proper and resolution. And you can carry that on from year to year. It's something that can be carried out. 
Mm-hmm. By the grace and power By of God. The grace and power well, let's of God, look at a few of the loose ends that people might be struggling with right now. And you're welcome to join us today if you want to call in uh, 347-215-8051. Don't be shy. 347-215-8051. You guys are what makes the, sh- the show exciting. So, anyway, loose ends. Let's look at a few categories. I, we can take a little inventory. I think it is good to take a little inventory, an honest inventory of your life um, under the counsel of the Holy Spirit. Sit there, be quiet, and ask the Lord to show you what's going on in your life. Yeah, and it's it's very it's something that's very, the taking an inventory before the Lord is, is very significant, getting quiet before God, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. listening to what he says to you, mm-hmm. you know, open the Bible, let him speak to you, and, and say not not for the purposes of condemnation, mm-hmm. but just to for say or, or or just getting onto some self improvement program, but to just really to okay. honestly take a look, evaluate. Now the Old Testament prophets spoke often to Israel about mm-hmm. that. Take inventory of your life. Take a look at what's going on in your life. Mm-hmm. And then make changes accordingly. Well, see, because it's what we see on the outside, the symptoms, the behaviors, the sins, the actions that take us back inside to look at what are the lies, what are the decisions that we made and are operating out of. Because everything starts with a belief. Everything, yeah, it, 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 it's a truth or a lie. Everything that we are is based on a belief. Everything you do is based on a belief. And your actions come out of a belief. And so... Um, when we look at, like, for example, unresolved re- relationships, I think that relationships are the source of the greatest amount of disappointment and pain in our worlds and our lives. And that's because we're, be- we're built by God to be relational beings. And we're not built to enjoy separation, isolation, loneliness, rejection, abandonment, um, uh, being cast off, looked down on, ridiculed, separated, isolated. None of those things are pleasant to us. And the only people who... Um, pursue those kinds of things are those who are already driven into isolation through some probably tormenting multiple chemical sensitivity or thing where they can't stand uh, to being out within the population. We are social beings and made to live in families. So when we're our families, our friends, co-workers, we're, we're in a situation in most of us in our lives where we cannot be isolated unless of course you're on the other side of that spectrum where you're totally alone all the time which is not pleasant either and so therefore if you're totally alone all the time that already indicates that some things in your relational world have gone um uh, amok so to speak so what do we do to um work towards reconciliation i'd say that would be a good goal it doesn't have to be a a resolution but it can be a prayer god how do i get back into a relationship that honors you with my estranged whatever child, person, boss, family member, mother, father, whatever. What about those unreconciled relationships? Where do we begin? What what can we do? You know, I can't make somebody else talk to me, love me, forgive me, um, smile at me. I can't make anybody do anything. So where, what can I do? Well, it really, it. I would say it really starts with us. I mean, that's that's the only thing I sense, have control over is what I'm going to. That's the only yeah. thing that we have control over. Well, now actually, that, now that we're controllers or anything like that, we're trying to take control, like everybody's well, talking about out there. 
But so we are, you know. God has given me a free will and a will to um, move forward, move backwards, move up, move down. And so you're right. I can do something to I can't make that other person change or or like me, but I can use the situation, use the situation you're in to create a change. And the best spiritual way to do that is to um, release them from your judgment. First of all, you might say to God, Lord, what is the thing? that has separated us? What is the disappointment, the lie, the bitterness, the injustice? I think injustice is a key word. What have they perceived to be the injustice that they're holding against you, that they're using to stay mad at you or to um, avoid you? And, and, And realize that whatever lie they're believing, whether it's true or not, true to them if they believe it, it's acting as truth in their life. So maybe they believe that you shunned them or that you tried to control them or that you and maybe you did do some of those things maybe it's not a a, a lie maybe it you really did freak out and carry your um, responsibility over them as a parent would sometimes too far so what you need to do forgiveness is the key forgiveness is the key and and many times i i really believe that it is our our fear and our pride that keeps us from from asking from forgiving and asking for forgiveness. Well, I it's not it's not maybe it's familiar to us. Maybe we're used to living under pride and fear, but they don't belong to me. They are not from me. They are from hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, pride covers fear. Fear is the bottom line. You can reduce every single negative, terrible thing, behavior, action, thought down to fear. If it's not from God, it's going to be from fear. And so fear of, of looking stupid, fear of uh, admitting you're wrong. And I think that's a problem because a lot of us, all of us built by God to want to be right, think that to be righteous, I have to be right and I can't be wrong. But my righteousness does not come from me being right and you being wrong. That's, that's just the injustice. That's judgment. My righteousness comes from him who makes me righteous through his blood. So back to forgiveness. Forgiveness simply means that you ask the Lord to show you what is the lie, what is the injustice that Satan has created between the two of you. And seriously, now do this. If you are so tired and in pain and sick of, you know, having your daughter hate you or your daughter-in-law or whatever, ask the Lord to show you what is the lie that you believe that keeps you holding them in a judgment. Forgiveness means you turn the judgment of them and their behavior uh, over to God. You let God be the judge of it, and you stop judging him. Because if you keep judging them, even internally, as a spirit of bitterness kind of wells up, swells up, operates within you, it begins to affect you physically as well as them. And in the spirit world, you're sending out a message that Satan can use your bitterness, your grumbling, murmuring, mumbling, um, negative speech to create words to come against you and them. Those words are like weapons. There's death and life and the power of the tongue. So backbiting, gossiping, um, even things that, that come into your own head about someone that, in, that are negative and critical and, and evil. You and I, the Bible says, take captive every thought and make it subject to the obedience of Christ. You need to cast down that thought and tell that liar who's planting that thought in your mind to shut up and go to the pit and take that with him. But so forgiveness means I release you, them, whatever, whoever it is, from my judgment and turn the crimes committed against both of you. You are both victims of the same evil plot. 
uh, one on one side, one on the other, but nonetheless, same evil plot. Turn the crimes committed against both of you by the evil one over to the high court of heaven. And you can name those crimes, whether it was, you know, betrayal. Uh, a lot of people have been sinned against. There are offenses out there. Don't get me wrong. Jesus said they would come. And he said, blessed is the man who's not offended because of me. Blessed is the guy who doesn't take it personally and take it to his grave to stay mad until justice is, is obtained by God because you have just wasted your whole life carrying a bitterness or a grievance that you could have easily given to God and, and gone on with a happy life. There are people that take bitterness and unforgiveness right to their grave. Yeah. And, and that's very, very dangerous. And some some families some sure. families have more of a curse or a predisposition towards keeping, holding grudges, staying mad, um, being more uh, adamant about, you know, holding on to their righteousness, being right. But it really does come down to control and fear of being wrong. It, it's fear. The thing is, too, it's like, yes, it's and then asking for forgiveness. But love, yeah, love, first of all, before love can ask for forgiveness, love needs to um, be in love when I was judging, when I was being harsh, when I was being uh, critical, pointing the finger, you know, sowing discord, uh, gloating when they when something bad happened to them. That is not God's, that's not God. That's not love. That's not God's attitude of love. That's not what God wants us to do. God is love. So, when you have um, recognized the evil or the, the crimes they've committed against you, also ask God to show you what crimes you have committed against them. Because you also, we also believe lies. We're all vulnerable to believing lies because that's what the God of this world does. He lies. There's lies everywhere. Lies in the air you breathe practically. And it seems like it's it's very difficult for us to uh, humble ourselves to take that first step to go and ask for forgiveness, for example, in the, Thing that Jesus said, you know, mm-hmm. if if we don't forgive, our heavenly Father will not forgive us. And at the same time, yeah, that's pretty serious. He says, he says, uh, if you know that your brother has something, has against, something you. against you, I would say if you even suspect that a brother, sister, someone else has something against you, go to them and say, hey, you know, I just sense that. Um, there's just something. Have I done something to offend you, or, or what, what's the situation? Or we just want to clear the air. And maybe it's nothing. Sometimes the devil gets in your mind, yeah. imagine things like that. But if you go to someone, you can clear the air, and that's a wonderful well, release to clear the sometimes air. Sometimes you can't clear the air because sometimes they're going to be so mad at you, they're not even going to want to let you talk to them. Well, or if if they slam if, the phone down, right? If they slam the phone down, listen again. We talked about this. Uh, before a few minutes ago, that we can we have to do just simply do our part. Right. We, but, we can't make them forgive us. That's right. We can ask them, you know, will you please forgive me? If they choose to forgive, great. If they don't choose to forgive, well, we we don't have much control over that except saying pray that God will soften their heart. And well, and continue forgive. to pay our debt to them. I think we forget that we all are indebted to one another. To love. Uh, yeah, the, our Father, um, get, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who are in, uh, trespassed against us. Indebted, I think, is one of the ways that they say that in some of the versions. Right. So the indebt- indi- indebtedness that forgive we... Forgive us our debts. As we forgive, forgive our debtors. Our debtors yeah. So forgive means the debt I owe you is to love you. Whether or not you're able to receive it or believe it is not my problem. 
I can t- so when you are in that place of pondering forgiveness, you can you first of all do that forgiveness of them in your in your closet in your private life. You release them from your judgment. You turn the judgment over to God. You ask God to remove the demonic spirits who keep um, creating or uh, fueling this hostility or bitterness or or injustice or uh, whatever they see it to be, and that God will restore to you, not just forgive, but to restore the things that have been stolen from you. Uh, This is the only way you're going to get your loved ones back if they are in that place of bitterness and and, uh, there's contention. The only way, the only way is through forgiveness and turning the the situation over to the high court of heaven. Let God be the judge. So first of all, you then you, you forgive them in your heart and you ask the Lord to show you what is the lie you have been believing that's allowed you to keep uh, holding this fear, uh, bitterness, judgment against them and cancel out your agreement with that. I choose Lord God by an act of my will and with my heart to forgive and release from my judgment. So-and-so for the, for the lies, for the crimes, the pain, the insensitivities, the, ju- the injustices they have committed against me under the counsel of the liar, the evil one, who has caused both of us to, uh, the Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but the devil has set us banging our heads together and thinking the war is between the two of us. So resolution of family, friends, coworkers. God wants us to live at peace with all men as much as is possible. So, so it, it really takes the love and grace of God Courage. To do that mm-hmm. because there are so many offenses that have come against people that are, are very cruel, yeah. unjust, vicious, and some of those things are, are, are ongoing. Well, some of them, yeah, you're exactly right. They're not only ongoing, but they came, they were established before you were ever here. Those Those tendencies towards bitterness or holding grudges, those patterns that you're living through right now in your life of whatever they're, those patterns were created in the generations past, long before you ever stepped mm-hmm. foot on this earth, set foot on this earth. And so we have to realize that once sometimes we need to come as an authorized representative before the Lord God to cancel out all of the agreements and patterns of bitterness and hatred and contempt that were operating in our lives even before we were born. You say, well, how is that fair? Well, it's only fair in this that Satan cannot make you do anything, but the second he gets you to go along with the lie, he's got you. And it's pretty easy for him to get us to believe that, you know, we're not loved and hurt and offended. And it's just not that hard for him to get us to come into a a subconscious agreement or a passive agreement or an implied consent with a whole lot of stuff. It's just not that hard for him. So believe it or not, even though you haven't signed on a dotted line with a piece of paper in front of you that I hate my brother, Satan can pretty easily get that going on in your life and you don't realize it. So. When we come to the Lord for that examination, we say, Lord, what are the lies I believe about so, relationships, so, about my family, about so, my daughter, about this, about that? Yeah. Uh, so I would say that uh, I want to encourage those that are listening today. You have unreconciled relationships uh, what, with whatever level they are, work, family, friends, mm-hmm. uh, even with yourself, even like forgiving yourself. Well, something. that's right. Uh, some people have unreconciled relationships with themselves. Yeah. Well, that's for for sure the case. And I think a lot of us, because we've made, we've developed our self-concept and our identity based on what we see ourselves again, doing, not being, and not realizing that all of the stuff we struggle with so much of it is contrived and demonically uh, set up to create failure, disappointment, and uh, discourage us from knowing who we really are. We just don't get the spiritual 
depth of the uh, onslaught and the, the the wiles of the devil and the the sway of this world. So um, let the Lord just show you the you truth know, the, the truth about these matters, and you know take steps now. Don't don't delay. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we we wait for the right timing, and it's a spiritual way of saying we're just putting it off because we don't want to do it. Well, you know, I don't know if you're talking about going to the person, but I think before we right. ever go to the person, I think the the very foundational steps are to go to God. And and first of all, God, what's the lie? I'm believing God. What is going on here? Whether it's uh, unforgiveness, bitterness, hatred uh, towards yourself, um, sabotage, self-procrastination. Lord, what are the lies I'm believing? What are the lies fear is telling me that causes me to, um, you know, put up with this or go on with this or believe this or whatever? Just be quiet. Say, Lord Jesus, he said, my sheep know my voice. Jesus, what are the lies I'm believing? And then get your paper and pencil and start writing because he's going to start talking to you about what they are. And yeah. and he does because he does. And he, he, isn't, uh, keep, he doesn't lie. He says, my sheep know my voice. So confusion may come and say, oh, that's just me. That's just me thinking that. That's just. But you know what? Just ask the Holy Spirit to show you. And if God doesn't show you and he lets you be tricked when you've asked him for specifically, then it's not on you, it's on him. So you ask the Lord to show you and trust that he is. So, And then, then that's the, you're right, that's the basis of that. Let the Lord show you, reveal it to you, and then ask for his guidance as to the steps that you would take mm-hmm. to to go to someone, talk mm-hmm. to them, mm-hmm. settle it, do well, Matthew, as much as you can. As, uh, Paul said, as much as lies in you, mm-hmm. live at, you know, peace. Live at mm-hmm. peace with all men. So. Yeah, and Matthew eighteen eighteen says, you know, um, to if first you go to them privately, and then you take a second witness with you, and then you tell it to the church. Well, I think most of us are uh, pretty dishonest. I don't think we actually, first of all, want to even admit there's a problem um, or that there's a lie involved. Um, we like to put the blame on someone else and not take any of the uh, blame ourselves. But when we have a conversation, when we communicate, when the light is shed on what happened, what you thought, what I thought you thought, what you said, what I thought you said, blah, 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 you kind of begin to clear the air a little bit on the the treachery of the evil one who set up this lie. So that's why, and, and the other is also just as, as appropriate. If you have something against someone or if you think someone has something against you, in both cases, Maybe you don't have something against them, but you think they have something against you. In both cases, God says you are the one who needs to go to them to be obedient to his word and command. Like you said, to live as, as much as possible at peace with all men, as much as lies within you. And you can, again, not make them to, to change. But So forgiveness is the key to unresolved uh, relationships. Now, what about personal habits? What about people who go on diets, have addictions? can't sleep, they're, uh, they don't take good care of themselves, or they, they're always primping about themselves. They're always, you know, focusing on their appearance, their identity. They're just obsessed with something, um, whatever it is. They're cleaning their house, their, their, their looks, um, their children. They're obsessed, uh, driven. What about personal habits, which we sometimes don't even recognize as bad habits because they look positive? Well, like sometimes personal habits, you know, maybe people are tend to be messy or disorganized or something like that. And it's like, I know how how say someone that's very, you know, even just you know, it, there, it takes so much 
a lot of effort just to maintain your life. Mm. I can't of my own self do nothing, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So here's the deal, guys. I'm not trying to maintain anything. My life is God's problem. I am only asking him to give me grace to do one thing, and that is to follow him and let him do what he wants to do in me. It really takes a lot of pressure off. Now, for example, you know, a person who's really messy or just can't keep their room clean or doesn't seem to care. They may be depressed. They may be exhausted. They may have they may procrastinate because they're afraid they might fail if they try, or they might not do it good enough to please the person who's over them, so why even bother? Or it might be a passive-aggressive way of just getting back at the person who insists upon controlling you and making you pick up your room, and you just that's not your interest area right now. You've got other things to do. Or maybe you're used to living in that mess, or maybe you think that that kind of matches what's going on in your soul, so it kind of feels comfortable. Whatever the deal is, I don't think God necessarily wants us to put things off or live in a pigsty. That is not, you know, what God would have us to know but and, and do. But the thing is, look at it. Just look at it. Don't don't pull yourself in and indict yourself. Just say, what what's going on here? Why am I? Now, I know kids would not go this deep in their thinking. Uh, what's going on here? Why is my room such a mess? What's wrong with me? What, you know? I think they don't think they just got other things on their mind. And you as a parent might want to say, okay, well, what's the lie that Susie's believing that causes her to just resist the idea of, you know, you know, helping with the dishes or resisting here with the attitudes. I mean, all this stuff is just demonic stuff that's being stirred up in your house, in your relationships to create edginess, to create discord, to create separation, to create, um, blaming all these kinds of things that create animosity and um, defeat love. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Love does wait um, because that's what God is doing. He's waiting. He's enduring. He's loving us and longing for us to, to know the truth and to be free. So We've talked about uh, diets. Oh yeah. You know, there's also all sorts of diets, mm-hmm. named diets, but what what would you suggest Marjorie as far as uh people uh changing their diet, say if they're on a, a kind of a a junk food diet or a microwave diet, they're eating a lot of uh stuff that uh, you know, highly processed foods, junk foods, all kinds of stuff like that. What what would you suggest? Uh, well, to, to to make about a change, you know. I would suggest eating the foods that God has given us, but of course that doesn't come natural to most of us anymore. We have no idea, honey, of the huge global plot that has gone on with our food. Everything from highly refined sugar to GMOs to mm-hmm. to uh, fast foods to microwaves to, to fat foods to microwaves to chemtrails to chemtrails uh, to, to eating to, out to, uh, additives uh, round di- up, you know uh, even uh, things like for example now they're proving now they're proving that diet sodas diet pops actually make you fat isn't mm-hmm. it because they set up a craving for more and, and because and then psychologically when you think you're having a diet pop you're not getting those what are 100, right. 100 calories uh-huh. i can eat 100 more calories on this side of the plate and so actually it's a psychological snare to set you up now the thing is i would suggest that with diets, the first three letters of the word diet is die, and that doesn't mean die to yourself. It means it's going to kill you. 
because you're you're like I said, you it's all up to you. It's a big contrived uh distraction. If you're if you're not happy with your weight, if you're not happy with your health, if you're not happy with your whatever it is, ask the Lord to show you what are the lies you're believing that cause you to have to uh, overeat or that causes your body. Maybe you don't overeat at all, but maybe you seem to can't lose weight or maybe you, you know, it just, it just seems to like eat a tiny bit and it just goes on like 40 pounds for a teaspoon of something. Ask the Lord to show you what are the lies because there are psychological uh, internalized lies, mechanisms uh, that Satan is using to create this, uh, what is this, this dilemma problem within your physical body. So this thing isn't just spiritual. It isn't just mind over matter. It is it is God over the devil. It's a it's a truth encounter. So what are the lies? And I well let's let's just break for a commercial here for a minute and uh listen to what we we've got a lot of stuff out here on cravings and, and eating properly, so listen up. I want it and I want it now. Chocolate. A juicy burger with everything. A turtle brownie latte overload. A cold beer. That guy over there. That lady at the counter. Cravings. Intense desires that demand satisfaction often rule our lives. Our cravings have formed habits we can't break, even though they are breaking us. The more we try to take control of our lives, the more out of control our lives become. And we end up doing more and more of what we really don't want to do. In Marjorie Cole's Cravings Manual or CD, you'll find rock-solid answers to your dilemma. No more crazy diets, guilt, denial, white-knuckling, or endless frustration. Just a release of truth from the Book of Romans that will set you on the path to freedom you never thought you'd have. To receive your copy or CD of Cravings, just go to www.liferecovery.com. That's www.liferecovery.com. Hey, you did a good job on that commercial, honey. But you know, guys, I've added another uh, part to that craving situation. It's called the book. Cravings uh, is now in a book form, and you can get it through Amazon or you can get it through liferecovery.com. And uh, it's, it really starts out with talking about the very basics of eating and eating the food that's got, that God has given us. And I think, you know, because our body is the basic carrier of everything, our soul, our spirit, uh, it, out of it comes our behaviors, our motivations, our plans, our decisions. Um, when the body is not well and not healthy, if the body can be taken out at any level, physiological level, uh, as it can be with eating the wrong foods, it can it can set you up to become the focus of the problem and the rest of your life you spend doctoring. But see, so that's why when God said in the beginning, the very, 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 very first thing he said to Adam and Eve was eat the food that I've given you, eat the herbs, the green herbs and the fruit with the seed in it. Then, of course, he expanded their diet after Noah to eat meat, to include meat, I, I don't, I, they might have eaten it before that, I really don't know. But anyway, he, he, but he did give them very specific directions on what to eat, and we have just uh, thrown that manual out the window and just eat what, what, we've been, what we've learned to eat, what we saw our parents eat. We eat the yellow jello and we eat the, the green fluffy stuff and, the, and the, all the stuff that doesn't even fit in God's food list. I mean, Christmas time is a really bad time for all that anyway. So, but but going back to whatever it is, whether it's an addiction, a craving, and there's a lot of people whose lives are destroyed through chemical addictions. And then they, they try, I mean, you know, at every, let me just say this. I, I talk about this in the book Cravings too, that those programs, you know, 
keep the you know work the program uh you know stay sober uh go to the you know whatever it is it just sets you up to work and strive and try some more try harder every time you set yourself up by making yourself responsible to try to work a program or stay sober yourself you are going to fail the devil purposely sets it up on the torture rack he sets you up on this side to desire greatly the freedom from the addiction and on this side the other side he sets up a situation a stair where he's going to pull the rug out from under you're going to fall flat on your face break your nose and go back to the very thing you hate the only way you can get off the torture rack is to step into the abundant life of Jesus Christ and let him the truth fight your battle and set you free from the demonic activities of addictions and cravings that are inside of you so again the new you would take a look at the old you through the eyes of Jesus Christ and the word of God and let him begin to straighten out the things that you've never been able to master um so you know and another thing how about procrastination unfinished projects how many of us you know, this year you had, you're going to read that book, you're going to read through the Bible, you're going to plant a garden, you're going to, uh, you were going to um, get out of debt. What were we going to do? I'm going to start my five year plan. Procrastinating starting tomorrow. <laughs> good, good, yeah. good resolution, Eddie. Well, I think you're going to make that one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, so, to fail. Unfinished projects. Maybe you can look around the house and you ever. You know, we have had the experience of, of living in, the, in a house that has all kinds of unfinished project, projects. Oh, not you know, as bad as you When might you've think. been remodeling and mm-hmm. stuff like that, you know. And, and I know some of you maybe have been in a remodeling project in your house or something. And it's just, after a while, it just gets to you because mm-hmm. all this unfinished stuff. Or junk and clutter. People who or, save or and hoard oh. can't, can't get around to, to throwing stuff away. What's the lie? That my stuff is my life, or it's gonna, you know, it might, you know, I know. People I might back need the, that someday. Yeah, back in the days of the depression, I could see where they'd save every crumb and every piece of paper and whatever. But now, you know, obviously we probably are going to go back into that. But most of your crumbs and pieces of paper that you've tried to save and hoard um, haven't done. You haven't used them for twenty years, and you don't even know which well, box cer- they're in certainly anymore. Certainly, God wants doesn't want us to be wasteful of things. He wants well, us to be then good give it away stewards. To someone We're who managers will. of His stuff, but. If it's good stuff, give it to the Salvation Army. Goodwill. Give get it away. Of. There's Craigslist. Do that. Um, but all of this, I think the root of a lot of unfinished projects, honey, is exhaustion and depression. I think we just lost energy. We've been too busy, absorbed, driven, trying to do something else. And a lot of time, we spend a lot of time just vegging, escaping, trying to get out of our life, whether it's through video games and uh, movies or uh, all kinds of you know other little trivial things that really don't add up or matter, but it is just like we live for an escape. We live for the weekend. We live for a time off. We live for, you know, we anticipate some vacation or some this or some retirement or something that's going to finally do it for us. It's not going to because you know what can finally do it for you right now today is surrendering that part of your life as well to the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of us have accepted him in our heart as our Savior, but we've never surrendered certain little rooms yet, closets, areas, uh, broken pieces of our heart. Because because why? Guess what? Because they're de- they're guarded by demons, and we have agreed with, we, we defend the demons who are guarding the, the places that God wants to get to. So we are agreeing with, I don't want you to know about that. I, I can't deal with that. Um, I'm too busy. Um, just let me alone. Um, stop picking on me. Uh, I'll get to it later. And so instead of saying, yes, Lord, 
I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Let's go check that room out. Let's go into that room, that closet, that place. And a lot of those things, honey, are, are caused by um, very, very young childhood memory events that, that have set up lies that operate now as part of the, the uh, programming system, the subconscious programming that operates and affects every decision we make. So again, it's all about lies. It's about going back and saying, Lord, what is it about this room? Why can't I seem to get started? I mean, asking the right question even takes inspiration. If you don't ask the right question, you'll never get the right answer. So most of us are too dull to even think of asking the right question. And and I have to go to a Matthew for a second, Matthew 13, um, just for a second, because there's a very interesting little thing Jesus says there. He's talking to the disciples about talking to them in parables. And he has just given the parable of the sower and the soil in Matthew um, 13. And uh, they're still a little puzzled as it's kind of cute. They're always puzzled. It seems like he says, um, so he says, uh, first of all, he starts that whole thing out by saying this um, about the prophecies of Isaiah and many others who said, uh, here's the problem people. Because it has been given to you, he says in verse 11, to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. And then he goes on to say, because hearing, they, you will not hear and shall not understand. And seeing, you will not see and not perceive. That the heart of this people, for the heart of this people, it grows dull. And their ears are hard of hearing. And their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes or hear with their ears lest they should understand with their hearts so that I should turn so that I should turn should heal them. So lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Therefore hear or understand the parable of the sower. If anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. If you do not understand it, the enemy is then permitted or takes advantage of, I don't know if God authorizes him or he just takes opportunity to snatch the word out of your heart because it's not grounded in any understanding. Um, We don't realize how much Understanding plays a part in in everything. Uh, you know, it's solving a, a math problem, for example. You have to understand the basic principles of multiplication, adding, subtracting, division, before you can solve even some of the simplest problems. You have to understand the concepts, uh, the mathematical concepts. We have to understand um, the uh, architectural uh, physics of building a building and how much pressure and the foundation has to be drawn. We have to understand things before we can build on them or build safely on them. So when we don't understand something, we are so dull. The devil has done such a good job of buffering the truth and or even buffering uh, whatever the the source, the cell memory, the the way, the things that we think about, the things that we uh, believe to be true. He has done such a good job of buffering that with a familiar coding of I am what I am and it is what it is and so forth that we don't even think to penetrate that with a question like why is it like that why am I like why does that happen like that over and over 
Um, what does this word mean? What is, what are you trying to say? What is the truth? Because we are assuming that we have the truth because it's our opinion, because it was our experience. Therefore, it's valid as ours. And therefore, we don't, you know, we think our opinion, our experience are the basis of reality and understanding. And they're not. Your experience, someone else could have experienced the same exact thing and come up with exactly the opposite conclusion. Because of the fact that there's perceptions and perversions and twistings and, and the enemies. Uh, you know, puts filters and spins on everything that happens to us. So the only thing that's solid and foundational that is solid is the Word of God. That is the truth. So when he's saying you need to understand, when people, for example, go to a treatment program and they don't understand the spiritual import of what's really going on, which most of them don't because the program won't tell you that, then they put it back on you. It's implied that it's up to you the changes. It's up to you to stop using. It's up to you to get your act together. It's up to you to take responsibility. It's up to you to own that and change. And it's up to you to pay thousands of dollars for a plan that's not going to work for you. So that sets you back even further. And they never ever tell you because you never ask the question because you're afraid to ask the question, why isn't this working? I did this 23 other times and it didn't work. Why would it work on the 24th time? Because you <laughs> didn't do it right. So it comes down to more guilt, shame, condemnation, right. and drives you further down into the pit that you're trying to get out of. And so understanding comes from asking the right question. So if you don't ever ask the right question, you will not get an answer, a right answer. And or if you would get the answer, you wouldn't even understand it to be an answer because you never posed the question yet. You never even realized that you didn't understand it. You never realized that you had a question. So sometimes God's word comes to us as truth, and yet it rolls off of us or it's snatched away because we didn't recognize our need. We, we were still under the demonic God of this world system of it's up to me. That's the main spirit and lie behind almost everything that wears us out. I've got to do it. It's up to me. I've got to prove. I've got to earn. Um, to be okay, I have to do, 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 do. When Jesus says, guys, that's already been done. It's okay. 2,000 years ago, I, I, I created, I fixed, I healed, I bought and paid for everything you're ever going to need. And before that, before even the cross, before the foundation of the world, I knew you, who you were. You're, you know, I have you. It's okay. I got you. And I'll, I'll keep you. And so what we don't, we live our lives carrying a whole lot of problems that we think are our problems that are not our problems. And then we try to resolve them with a New Year's resolution to get rid of them, which is like futility, a vicious circle. Mm-hmm. It is. It and is. very frustrating and very debilitating because when you fail to keep a resolution, what happens? Oh, you Well, you blame yourself. It's a, well, oh. what's the use? You give up, you get oh. discouraged, you get depressed, you get frustrated. This isn't working. I'm bad. Yeah, I'm bad. Something's and, wrong and with so me. If, you know, if you go through several years accumulated an accumulation <laughs> of failed resolutions. Yeah, it's just gonna it's just gonna push you push you down and and. Uh, well, actually, can I right there? Once you're pushed down, once you're down, you know, if you're in a gang fight, once you go down, what do they do? Walk away from you or kick they, you in the they head? Kick the snot out of you. Yeah, that's exactly right. So when the devil pushes you down with enough psychological, emotional blame, condemnation, self hatred, self judgment, because you failed to keep your resolutions. Then he can start to bring all kinds of other judgments. Guilt brings a whole bunch of other demonic judgments on you, like financial situations, job uh, losses of jobs, um, shortages of funds, debts, 
um, you know, all kinds of things that um, steal from you. Because guilt has three friends. When I'm guilty, I'm bad, I should have, I didn't keep my resolution, it's my responsibility, I failed. That Satan can use all of that to accuse you, condemn you, to build his case against you in your own mind, and you sit there and take it. When you should just ask, Lord, your defense attorney to speak. <laughs> Lord, you're the, the witness, the, testi- the testify. Tell me what's really going on. So once guilt comes in, his three friends get to come with him. And one is, if I'm guilty, then I am guilty and I deserve to be punished. So pain, penalty, punishment can come. They can rack pain on your physical body, in your emotions, in your relationships, uh, physical, psychological, mental, emotional pain penalty, punishment, um, sorrow, things like that. Or he can bring his friend poverty in, which says, if I'm guilty, then I don't deserve good things. So you have just given the devil permission to snatch every blessing God sends your way to take it from you before you can get it, use it, or before it really matures. You can, it'll be lost because you've already given the devil permission to snatch, it, steal, take it away. The third thing that is a friend of guilt is sickness and disease or infirmity. When you begin to say, I'm bad, I'm guilty, then you're also agreeing with I'm bad. And I am bad says, I'm bad. And so my body, my immune system gets confused because I don't know what to do. I thought she was good and I was supposed to take care of her, but now she's bad, so I better eat her up and devour her and suffocate her. And so the autoimmune system diseases start to take over your life. And some of them are very common. Uh, Diabetes, MS, um, lupus, Crohn's. If you're suffering from some of those diseases, Number one, you do not know you're loved. Number two, you're confused about who you are. You believe lies about who you are, about your goodness. Uh, and, and if you don't know you're loved, if those receptor sites for love have been buried with um, doubt, confusion, shame, unworthiness, da-da-da, buried, so they're not exposed, they cannot receive the love of God, then you're stuck in a, uh, just like when the receptor sites in our cells and, and, and are clogged, they cannot absorb the, neurochem- the neurotransmitters, the chemicals that they need, the serotonin, whatever, to, to live. The same in the spiritual world. So um, going back to asking the right question, what is the lie, Lord, that I'm believing that allows Satan to, to rob my blessings? How about asking some questions instead of, um, you know, always trying to figure it out? Ask the question, let God be the answerer. Um, so when the devil, you know, for example, tries to buffer us, um, with this constant set of situations, circumstances, traumas, problem, problems, um, and then filters and hinders and dulls our eyes, our ears, our understanding of our spiritual life. He keeps us in this emotional haze. Then he can control you. He can control your actions, your determinations, your energy. Um, and what power, really, do we have against such subtle and sophisticated ob- uh, obstructions? Only one thing, the deliverer, Jesus Christ, the truth. He says, you shall know the truth. He says in John eight thirty two, you shall continue in the truth. If you continue in the word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, one or two more things. Um, so is it God's idea for us to make a better choice and set a more stringent resolution for the new year? Is that God's idea of how to set foot, step into the new year? Or is his idea to set foot in it with rest, peace, and the revelation of Jesus Christ and a, and, a, and a hunger for the word of God? Which would it be? And besides, Jesus said, don't make oaths. Don't make promises. Do not. He says, because 
He says, out of it comes every evil thing. Mm -hmm. When you make an oath, a promise, a vow, a resolution, even a pledge at church to give X amount of dollars over the next course of the year, I don't know if that's really scriptural. Because, number one, the minute you make the pledge, and Jesus said, don't make oaths, because when you do that, the devil is going to set you up to take advantage of you, to trip you up, to break the oath, so that he he has a justification then of coming in and uh, troubling you, you know, because you've made an oath. So Jesus says, just don't even do that. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no and go forward from there. So that's what he said about oaths. And you can read that yourself. Now, Jesus wouldn't say something about something unless it was pretty important. So when he mentions it a couple of times, don't make oaths. Um, you're not your own. You don't, you be- we belong to him. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. He wants to, you know, this year, just let Jesus live your life. It's too big for you anyway, you know, and go forward with peace and let him carry, carry the burdens and, and carry the struggles. Yeah. One of the questions is simply, is what time is it? You know, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verses 1 and following talks about to everything there's a season. There's mm-hmm. a time to every purpose under heaven. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the question that we That's look a good at, question to ask. Uh, Lord, what, what time is it? What am I? Is it a time to forgive? Is it time to heal? Is it time to uh, talks about cast away stones? Is it time to gather stones together? A time of war, a time of peace, a time of love, a time of hate. All these things. There's all these seasons and times. And what is the season that that you are in? And, and uh, that you are to be, and you and what you are to do in the result of that being, and and a big part of it is like you saying, uh, Marjorie, is just simply resting, getting quiet before the Lord, say, Lord, show me, mm-hmm. show me your plan, your way, and give me grace to follow through with what mm-hmm. you're giving to me. It's not just a resolution; it's a matter of simply obeying what the Spirit of right. God puts in your heart. Right. It's time to listen. It's time to ask the right question. It's time to obey. And, you know, back to being perfect and trying to be perfect, Psalm 138.8 says, the God says, I will perfect that which concerns you. In Ephesians 2.10 it says, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. The good works, the resolution, the freedoms, the truth will come as we allow him to work in us through his Holy Spirit, which he has downloaded in us. So you're not alone. The Holy Spirit lives right inside of you. All this stuff, even the peace that passes understanding, he said he will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on him. So ask the Holy Spirit to cause you to keep your mind to be stayed on the Lord Jesus Christ, and he then will keep you in that place of peace and blessing. Things will start to go better for you, and as they start to go better, you're going to feel better and you're going to be able to be a blessing to other people. So, I would like to hear the rest of your poem, honey. Do you have it? Like Paul Harvey, <clears throat> this is the rest of the story. Okay. The rest of the poem. Yeah. Before we end up blessing the people, why don't you just read that? All right. God, give me guidance in this fight. Clear my eyes, shine your light. You said you made me for a reason, so as I enter this new season, help me hear and trust your voice obeying you in every choice. You have a purpose, you have a plan for every woman, every man. So, Lord, please lead me this new year. Give me strength, remove my fear. 
May who I am and what I do express your truth and love anew. Let it be my goal to bring honor, glory to my King. Amen. And 2016, Lord God, may be a year filled with new things, things we've never seen before. But we also know it's going to be a year that you're going to be with us and you're going to perfect that which concerns us. And so right now, Lord God, we turn the whole year, every moment, every situation, every crisis, every blessing over to you and ask that your Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us to cause us to ask the right questions, to understand and to know and to recognize your truth, to seek your truth, to pursue it, Lord God, and that, Lord, we will not be going through 2016 alone. And though we know, Lord, a lot of prophets and prognosticators have said this is a critical year um, and we're nearing your return. Let us, Lord, not grow weary in well-doing and let us not be afraid because, Lord, let us focus on you, on your coming on your word and what we ought to be doing. As Peter said, what manner of men ought we to be seeing these things are coming upon us? And we know they will. We know they are. Maybe not in our lifetime. Maybe in our lifetime. We don't know that because we don't know if we have tomorrow, but we do know that we have you all the time, forever. And so we thank you that you'll, you promised that you would never leave us or forsake us, that you would not leave us as orphans. And so, Lord, we're thanking you that we have the courage to go through this year because you are going through it with us, Father. And we ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Also, one last thing. For those of you who live in the Minneapolis area on January January 30th, uh, Saturday, we're going to be doing a, uh, a day workshop from 10 to 3 at the Holiday Inn in Rogers, South Diamond Lake Road. If you just go to our website, liferecovery.com, you can... Uh, uh, check in, uh, register. There is no cost to the registration. We just invite you to come. And um, we're going to be talking about decoding the lies of your generations. It's kind of an interesting, really interesting um, day we've got planned for you. So uh, set that aside on your calendar, January 30th, and we will look forward to meeting you in person. God bless you and have a great day. Yes, uncovering the lies. Decoding the lies was last time. Uncovering the lies for for your information. Okay, thanks. God bless you all. Happy New Year.